Governor Scott Walker narrowly lost his bid for a third term, but the man who led the Republican revolution in the Badger State and beyond leaves a lasting legacy of significant conservative free market wins. MacGyver News Service brings you conversations with the people who worked alongside or served the governor during some of the most tumultuous days in Wisconsin history. From the massive protests that marked Walker's signature legislation, the Act 10 collective bargaining reforms, to the mega once-in-a-lifetime Foxconn economic development deal, Governor Scott Walker made his mark on Wisconsin policy and politics. The people who know him best share their stories about these times of impact. The Walker years on MacGyver Newsmakers. I think it best that we reflect back on what was an extremely active time legislatively and from the executive branch of the state of Wisconsin over the last eight years. And I know no one better to give some perspective, particularly from those firestorm early days of the Walker administration than Mike Hipsch, who of course served as the Department of Administration secretary in the first years of the uh, the uh, first term of uh, Governor Walker. Mike Hipsch joins us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. Good morning, sir. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you, Matt. It's great to be on with you. I particularly appreciate it because your travel day is so busy today. And truth be told, <laughs> Mike is on, what, the first or second leg of what promises to be a very long day at airport travel. Yes, I'm on the, on the first full leg, and I have three full legs to go today. So, oh, my goodness. Um, it is a lot of travel, but it's, uh, it is great to have a chance to look back and talk to you about uh, the Walker administration, and and really the remarkable accomplishments that Scott Walker was able to do with with a strong legislature. Um, I think you know without if I can just jump in, Matt. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, this is this is one where it's so easy as we sit here today to forget what condition Wisconsin was in when Governor Walker was taking taking over the reins in uh, well this time of the year. Uh, in 2010, um, we had just, you know, I had just come out of the legislature. We were struggling to try and figure out how we were going to balance the budget, how we were going to bring down our very high unemployment, uh, how how salaries and, and income was going to somehow get back, and and how Wisconsin was going to get back on its feet. It's just so easy to forget the dire straits that we and frankly most of the nation were in at that time. Yes, um, but. But I think that you know Scott Walker's legacy began well before that. I mean, it be, it began when he won that special election in '93 because I came in in '94. And the one thing I always said about about Scott Walker was uh, when when you you first get to the legislature, you look for those people who have been there a while, who who understand the process, who know what's going on, because there are times when when bills will come up on the floor and you'll go, I have no idea what this amendment is going to do with this bill. <laughs> and you always, you know, every one of us kind of picked somebody out. We always had a mentor. We had somebody that we could ask and talk to. And I always looked at Scott Walker. I, he was never my assigned mentor, but I knew that Scott Walker had read it. I knew that if he was going to vote a particular way, um, he understood the issue that was before us and that very likely he could very easily defend the position he was going to be because he was such a student of the issues that were before us. And that's, I think, what, what more than anything, which would equip him for being one of the greatest governors our state has seen, and, and certainly equipped him with the ability to make the decisions that were necessary to, for, for this really miraculous turnaround, where not only are we no longer facing what was at one point 
described as a six billion dollar deficit, mm. budget deficit. Now that was a that was a, a structural deficit, which I always refuted. But but regardless, that's what they were talking about in the middle of the Doyle administration. Um, we were looking at a huge budget deficit, and now have now have a surplus. Uh, we had unemployment that was approaching nine percent, almost ten percent. We're now at I think the record unemployment, record low unemployment uh, for the state history. Um, the median income is up. I mean, by every single metric, Wisconsin is in so much better shape after these eight years, uh, and it's it's really because of the leadership and the strength of of uh, will of of Governor Walker. You know, you talk about just. Uh, the approach of Scott Walker, whether it be Scott Walker, the legislator, Scott Walker, the Milwaukee County Executive, Scott Walker, the governor, this, as you say, I, I think the people who know him, and you are among a short list of people who really know him so very well, he, he, was, a, he was a Boy Scout, Eagle Scout for a reason, wasn't he? I mean, he really took to heart. He has always taken to heart that motto, be prepared. This was a uh, a politician, a public servant who uh, was always prepared. Without question, I, it's, I've not seen anybody that is a more voracious reader of even some of the most dullest details of the state budget. I mean, he, there were very few issues that that he didn't fully understand or he didn't immediately grasp once it was brought to to his attention. Uh, and that's again, it's those details that really make. That type of quality leader. Um, I remember very clearly when we were when we were going through Act 10 and trying to figure out. You know, we knew that that Act 10 was going to be volatile. We knew it was going to be something that was going to be difficult for some people to swallow. But we also knew it absolutely had to be done. We could not continue to afford to go down the path that we were, as far as providing 100% coverage for health care for every state employee. We couldn't we couldn't possibly afford to continue to to fund the the retirement system that we had, it just in, in the pension program, and there just things had to change because you know the rest of the world had changed. I mean, and so I remember very clearly we're sitting there. We're, we, what we were doing was trying to figure out how we were going to staff all of the positions if, in fact, there was a massive walkout. If if the state just walked out and the state workers walked out and said, "Fine, you know, you work, do it on your own," and so we had we had figured out where we could get people to staff it all. And in the end, the one thing we got to was the municipalities and the, the local fire and police. And that obviously is an essential uh, an essential service of government. And uh, when we really just couldn't get to a point where we could figure out how in the world we would we would be able to, to fill in and, and make sure that there was still that kind of support and service, uh, the governor, without batting eyes, said, fine, then we will exempt them from this bill. Knowing that that was going to cause some some rift, but also knowing that the number one concern, the most important issue that government has to do is provide those essential services that people know that they're paying for and have to have. Right. And fire and police were, was, were among those. Without batting an eye, he knew that was the right decision, and he really didn't have to give it a great deal of thought or angst or anything along those lines. It was those types of things that, of course, became controversial and came, became highly reviewed but were things that he knew from his from his knowledge, from his readings, and from his heart that it was the right thing to do. And that was that's what always got a great deal of allegiance from those who worked with him, and, and certainly from the cabinet, because we knew the governor knew what he was doing. And that's, I mean, when it comes right down to it, that's one of the most important things you need to have, is a leader who knows what they're doing. And Scott Walker was, by all means, in every area, that person. 
Indeed. Mike Hipsch, the Public Service Commission Commissioner, former uh, Secretary of the Department of Administration, uh, helped in the transition in moving then-executive, Milwaukee County Executive Scott Walker, into the executive's office. Let's go back there uh, to the transition after the election. And if I recall, Walker turned, uh, what, 45, 44, 45, uh, the day of the election? Quite a a birthday party there. Uh, And then uh, the party was immediately over. (laughs) There was the victory, there was the birthday party, and then there was the resistance movement. What we have seen in this country over the last two years is Wisconsin writ large. Give us a sense of those heady days, uh, what they were like dealing with uh, the budget problems you faced coming in and dealing with what was sure to be some very challenging times. But I don't think uh, you folks knew just how challenging they were going to be. No, I, I would say that it, it, it was kind of a half joke that I said to the governor because the first job that he had asked me to, to fill was budget director. Um, he called me about a week after the election and asked if I would be his budget director, and I, I was happy to do it. I, um, I, I said, you know, this is something that I, from, from being speaker in the legislature and then being on the finance committee for a couple of terms prior to that, I said I would ha- I'd be happy to do it. But I said, Governor, I'm, sure, I'm not sure you want the job. You just want because the, the budget was in a shambles. And I had been advising and talking with him over the summer about it, about what, it, what a challenge we were going to face and how difficult it was going to be. Um, and he, he said that he had faced similar challenges at the Milwaukee County, and I was skeptical that, that he was going to be, he, he fully understood the magnitude of what had happened and, and the challenges we had. But um, he came in, you know, sleeves rolled up and ready to go and you're right when when we were going to go out with act 10 and we knew that this was really the way that we were going to be be able to turn our budget around not only for that cycle but really for for the long haul really get get spending back in line um we had you know i i've been around the the state capital for uh, 15 years at that point and and we've seen you know protests we've had people come by and and argue about different things that Tommy Thompson had done or whatever, and, and maybe saw 500 on a really rough day, maybe 1,000 or 2,000 people show up, but it was, it was nothing like we had we saw during Act 10, and we certainly didn't anticipate those types of, of numbers and that type of organized effort to, yeah. to turn people out from across the country to come and really make Madison ground zero for, for uh, the public, public unions and public employee unions uh, basically last stand, which really became kind of their water, in my opinion. It was just so horribly overplayed. But, I mean, we certainly didn't know that at the time. I, I guarantee you, we were we were all a little uh, little shocked by, by what we were facing at that point. No doubt about it. Uh, and there were scary times, too. Take us back to Act 10 in particular, but I, I think in context, it wasn't just Act 10 going on. Obviously, that's what uh, got all the headlines. I'll never forget working at a newspaper in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. On the nightly news, you would see uh, Brian Williams at the time. There's a name from the distant past, huh? Leading, leading the nightly newscast, they would start off with the Egyptian Spring or all the protests going on in the Middle East, and they would juxtapose that with what was happening in Wisconsin, which I thought was an absurd narrative, but that was the narrative at the time. You know, uh, they were pretty yep. much all in. 
on this union struggle as they tried to, to paint it. But what was it like going through that and at the same time? This is what's remarkable to me, Mike. If you were just focusing on Act 10 and you got that done, that would have been an incredible milestone. And it is. It continues to be. But you got voter ID. You got the castle right. doctrine. You got uh, you were getting into uh, the, the maps, redrawing districts at the time. You were dealing with a budget that was in shambles. This was, without an argument, the most active and successful first six, eight months of any administration of any government that I can remember. Yeah, I, I, you know, in hindsight, it is remarkable. I think you're absolutely right. We didn't realize it as we were going through it. And the interesting thing was, um, and this is really, I think, testament to the, the partnership that the governor had with the legislature, and especially with Robin Voss and with Scott Fitzgerald, and and uh, even his ability to to work with uh, with Mike Ellis and you know some of the real power brokers mm-hmm. in the legislature. Um, coming out of the legislature, as he as Governor Walker did, uh, gave him that ability to know exactly what was going to be important to them and work with them, and that was a huge, I mean, huge up. Uh, leg up that he had over Governor Doyle. Governor Doyle, at, at points, we were wondering if he even just he even knew where the legislature was. I mean, it was just there was really very little interest in dealing with anything that was going on in the legislature. And it's evident that when you when you have that relationship that Scott Walker had, you can get those things done. I mean, and you talk about them, and, and you're right. At, at times, we were just focused on Act 10, or or me personally, I was focused on you know 100,000 people walking around the Capitol and and things that were going on. All the while, the, the things you just talked about, like voter ID and so many different things. Uh, that 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 the legislature was working on was occurring, and I really didn't even have a chance to take a look and see what was going on. I was like, after the fact, I said, "Wow, when did they pass that?" I mean, because it was just you were so engaged and so um, so tied up in the issues that you were dealing with day to day. And you know, I going back to your earlier discussion, I think you're you're right. It was absurd to to juxtapose the, the Arab Spring with what was going on in Madison because at the time. While we didn't know it, it was, in fact, a relatively peaceful demonstration. It was huge. It was not like nothing we'd ever seen. Um, and at any given moment, we were concerned, you know, that it really could could uh, ignite into something more. But it never really did. Um, the, the people were there. And, and the interesting thing was, and, and this is something that Brett Healy, the president of the Mackayra Institute, uh, knows well, uh, that first weekend, uh, I came to Madison and, and just dressed in jeans and, and shirt and jacket and I walked around the crowd I walked out into the into the into the what was really only about 30 or 40 thousand people at that point which was still more than we mm-hmm. thought we'd ever see and I just wanted to hear what was going on what people were talking about what was what, why I was there and unfortunately nobody recognized me yet so it was okay I didn't have a problem I could walk around and my son and I did that and and I I basically had come up to the MacIver headquarters just to kind of overlook the crowd and see what was going on and and there were, you know, it was, it was a relatively peaceful group of people. There were teachers from Eau Claire. There were, there were uh, public employees from from Green Bay and, and those type of things. But once it became so much more than that, you know, in 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 really just the next few days, and they started bringing people in from all over the country, and that's when it really started to get out of control. And as I said, you 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 didn't know what was going on necessarily with the other branches of government because you were just so focused on the challenge that was right at your doorstep. No, no doubt about it. Uh, remarkable times. Again, these are people, Indeed. for the most part, 
uh, passionate, uh, and certainly uh, these union members had something to lose. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the argument yep. for Act 10 continues to be the salient argument. What are the taxpayers um, entitled to, right? We always talk about right. what the state employees, or we had, what's the, what are the state employees entitled to? And that, that discussion was, the answer to all of that was more and more and more, uh, which is one thing, but without having the taxpayer at the table. And that's what happened in this state for such a long time. That's what was at stake. It was big labor trying to protect their political power first and foremost, but also there was the argument about losing benefits or having to, I should say, having to pay more for benefits, having to pay something for a pension, all of those sorts of things. But what is, I think, so often lost in that discussion was taxpayers for years did not have a seat at that negotiating table. It just was a, a system that had gotten so offset. And I think you expressed it at the beginning of the interview. If you were really going to change a three, four billion dollar budget uh, shortfall, if you were really going to deal with the structural issues, you were going to have to deal with the main structural issue. And that was the fact that these local governments and their taxpayers really didn't have that much power when it came to these sorts of discussions. You accomplished that through Act 10. So I'll ask you this, uh, Mike, Did is that, do you believe, the signature achievement of the walker tenure what is scott walker's legacy as governor of the state of wisconsin uh, you know that's a great question because i, I mean the, the easy answer is just overall government reform in a in a way that is is going to be beneficial for taxpayers for generations but you really have to get into the into the nuts and bolts of that to understand what that means and that's why i talked about early early on in the interview about how the legacy for this really began in the, in the early 90s when Governor Walker was elected to the legislature in 93. When I came in and, and the assembly became, we got the majority back for the first time in 20 years uh, back in 1994 because we had been elected from, from really one issue, and that was property taxes. Property taxes went up double digits almost every year for about five-year stretch in the, in the mid and late 80s. And it was something that taxpayers, I mean, we were driving senior citizens out of their homes that they had paid for, you know, had paid off long ago, but they couldn't continue to afford the high property taxes. And these are the issues that really drove us and, and made it clear that we needed some, some, some basic fundamental changes. And it wasn't really until Governor Walker came in and recognized that there was something fundamental that needed to change that he then not only did these things with Act 10, but, but then also sent us out to talk to people. And this is the one thing I, I remember more than anything. I mean, when I, my time in the legislature, I knew that the, the teachers' unions had, had basically locked down most of the health care contracts for, I think, 80% of the school boards around the, around the state. And, yeah. and you're right, they didn't have a seat at the table. Former teachers had been elected to those school boards, so they were then negotiating with the teachers' union as to what was going to happen. Well, the, the taxpayers had lost any kind of influence, and um, by injecting that back in there, by by recognizing that the free market needed to have some role in in healthcare insurance or health health insurance, and in recognizing that the, there there needed to be some sort of um, 
some sort of correlation between salaries and and benefits that were, were constantly increasing for our public employees at a time when when especially our taxpayers were really struggling uh, and and salaries were not going up. That was you know that was the perfect time for for the governor to be able to come in and do the things he did. So is that his his number one legacy? That act will be his legacy for his opponents. The 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 strength of Wisconsin will be his legacy. I think for the taxpayers for for a lifetime. It's really it really has changed the dynamic in Wisconsin to a point that that the taxpayers have a, a, an ability to have a greater influence. Over what is going to happen with with their salaries, with their with their uh, with their income, and certainly with their government, and and the reforms that we saw, not only not only the things that we talked about, but even civil service reform and and the things that that you know may not get a lot of attention. Um, you know, I Governor Walker was the first one in I think 15 years of trying that actually changed the way we we have a, a, a full software program that that oversees all of the employees' benefits and everything like mm-hmm. that in state government. This isn't going to get a lot of attention, but it's one of those things that just brought Wisconsin kicking and screaming into the 21st century, and it's basically <laughs> going to give us so much authority and ability to to purchase and and to um, to provide benefits and services to our employees that again will will create create great efficiencies and great savings for for taxpayers and make it just a better environment for for state employees it's just he, he has a remarkable legacy that will that is it's kind of an, an onion as you unpeel one thing more things come up as as to the tremendous benefits that the state is going to see Mike Hipps joins us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. Mike, of course, is a PSC commissioner, uh, served as Department of Administration secretary for Governor Scott Walker in the first term, was there at the beginning of some truly remarkable times in Wisconsin uh, government. Final question for you. You've been very generous with your time and uh, your remembrances. But uh, we look ahead now. What's next for Governor Scott Walker, as you see it, uh, that's a question best for the governor, of course, but as mm-hmm. you see it, uh, and what's next for Wisconsin now that we have gone from the Republican revolution, the conservative uh, revolution that occurred in 2010 to uh, a bit of a pushback, at least uh, from Madison and Milwaukee, on that government uh, uh, Republican revolution at the polls? Yeah, I think let me ask you answer the first one, uh, Governor Walker. The the options are are numerous for him, and I think that any any corporation, any uh, company, any group that that was able to see his form of leadership, his ability to, you know, at one point there was that I think it was derisive, but it was it was it, they they I think the Journal Sentinel called it a, a reptilian calm that Scott Walker had. Um, during the the height of the of the protest, but I can't I can't tell you how important that that confidence and that calm was in the midst of everything that was going on. That type of leadership isn't in everybody. You know, you don't you don't find that from from every person out there, especially someone put in the position of authority and responsibility that he was. And so it's that type of of intangible that I think you know. Obviously, his skills are are. Are there for everyone to see. He he oversaw a remarkable turnaround of the entire state government. Um, you know, in in Wisconsin, he is the CEO. He is the CFO. He is the COO of the entire state. I mean, the governor has that all that authority, and and he mastered it. 
So I think that any any corporation or any company that wanted that kind of leadership would be would be wise to invest in them. But in the same sense, I think it would be a tremendous loss for the Republicans and certainly for, I think, government in general to lose a mind like Scott Walker, much like I think they should continue to recruit a Paul Ryan for some area. Um, Wisconsin has turned out two of the, I think, greatest minds that we have in, in our party and certainly in our, our country right now. And I'm hoping that that we that somehow they will find a spot for one or both of them uh, to continue to, to um, have great tremendous influence. So now look, let's look at Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin has uh, the interest the interesting challenge of divided government, and I of course was there for a good portion of divided government, and sure. it really slows things down. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, I will say, you know, the reforms that that Tony Evers wants to come in with. I mean, I, I if I were still in the legislature, um, if I were Speaker Voss, I would I would basically write out every metric of where we're at. I would I would show where where unemployment is, how many how we're doing with our W two caseload, you know, how 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 effectively are we providing health care for for our citizens. We are we have tremendous numbers in every area. Unemployment is low, salaries are up. I would draw that line and say, anywhere that Governor Evers thinks that he can improve upon those, we'll work with him. We'll, you know, if you if you have an idea, you think you're going to make unemployment even even lower, you're going to increase salaries more. We'll work with you. But in any particular area where you're going to where we think you're going to try to damage that or or adversely influence any of those areas, you're going to increase unemployment. You're going to bring down salaries. You're going to make our budget deficit uh, come back. Any of those areas then it is not just the opposition party's responsibilities, the party of the Wisconsinites, to say, no, we, Wisconsin's in great shape. We are not going to allow this to go back to those bad old days of 2009, 2010, when, when Governor Doyle and this economy was just continually driving it down. So I, I think that we will have a divided government, but we have a very good we have a very good yardstick to measure Wisconsin by and a very easy metric to determine whether or not we have success or failure. And it's all of those things that we just talked about. And that's why I'm so pleased that you guys are doing something like you're doing of, of this look back, because it's, it's going to be important for us to remember not only what Governor Walker has done and, and how good Wisconsin is right now, but more importantly, what he brought us out of where we were in 2010 and uh, the, the tremendous benefit that, that Wisconsin has seen because of his leadership of the last eight years. Well, you made history. You were right alongside in those uh, first battles, certainly. And I think you can, uh, along with a number of others who were in this administration, can look back and say, wow. Uh, I think the phrase at the time that the governor used was uh, put up or shut up. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, and you folks put up, you put up with a lot of stuff, but you put up a lot of legislations, a lot of, a lot of proposals, a lot of reforms, and uh, I think you can look back at what happened then, where we are now, and I think that is so critical, so important. So thank you so much for your time, your perspective, uh, particularly on a, a difficult travel day for you, but we, we certainly do appreciate your point of view in telling the story of Scott Walker's tenure as governor in Wisconsin. It's my pleasure. And those four years of serving alongside Governor Walker were undoubtedly the highlight of my career, and I will always look fondly back on those and with great admiration for the job that he did. Very good, sir. We wish you the best of luck and certainly safe travels. Thank you, man. You good bet. to talk to you. you
Mewtwo. Mike Hipsch, uh, former Department of Administration Secretary under Governor Scott Walker and a commissioner for the uh, PSC, joining us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers.